You're listening to the Photographer's Story Podcast. I'm your host, Hark Najjar, and joining me is international photography business coach, Bernie Griffiths, as my co-host. Well, today we have uh, Richard Hill. Richard, thank you very much uh, for coming on the show. Uh, Bernie, I see a snowman behind you. Hopefully you're not going to be throwing uh, snowballs at me uh, throughout the show. Hi, Hawk. Uh, it's uh, pretty cold uh, here down under in uh, Melbourne, Australia. But um, hey, it's not that cold. Uh, this isn't a real snowman, by the way. It can't be as cold as where we are. So Minus what is it in uh, it, Canada? It was- Actually, it was a couple of days ago, it was minus 10 degrees Celsius. And today is actually not too bad. We had about a minus three uh, degree weather. So we're all good. How about you, Richard? I'm, I'm good, man. Good. How's the Glad weather up here. there? Thank you. Um, you know, 65, probably sunny. No snow in the forecast uh, for the next couple of years, probably, sadly. <laughs> Dallas, we don't get any snow here. I think the last time we got snow in Dallas was maybe four years ago sad on a christmas day for the kids but well you guys you don't have do? the uh, infrastructure to deal with it so hopefully there won't be a lot of snow. that's true yeah. that's true no snow and we have the dallas cowboys i mean horrible that's a horrible combination this time of year you got dallas cowboys did they actually make the playoffs this year i didn't even know i, I don't watch. No, i mean so. it's still happening it's 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 possible but it's very doubtful yes uh, they've lost twice as they've lost twice as many games as they've won is that right half as many games half as many games yeah yeah not going anywhere well, uh, this is the uh, photographer's uh, show that we ask a lot of stories and uh, hopefully uh, from you, we can get some interesting stories uh, from you. Tell us a little bit about uh, how you started in photography and um, when was the first time you actually thought, I'm going to be a photographer? You know, I, I don't remember having any, I had no cameras growing up in the house. I have no memory of a camera at all. Um, in fact, I, I think the, the earliest memory probably was when I... Uh, I was married and had kids. I think that's when I started photographing, probably. And I had little point and shoots. I had uh, disposable cameras, nothing major at all. Just, yeah, I just remember those little tiny, it was a little tiny blue Canon. Probably now, I mean, I don't even know what the makeup, it was horrible. I mean, even back then I knew it was horrible. Mm-hmm. I think I do remember that one because uh, I, I don't know how old your kids are. Mine just turned 17 last year and I started f- photographing around the same time. Uh, he was born in 2003. So I picked up a uh, digital camera. Uh, I was telling Bernie last time, uh, I've never shot film. Did you actually shoot film? Uh, no, no, I don't. Well, I mean, I, um, you know, I think some of those, those point and shoots, not point and shoots, but those di- disposable cameras were filmed, right? I think. Yes, yes. I don't even remember how that worked back then. Yeah. But my, so my first, my firstborn Noah was 20, let me see, 20, no, 1998. So whatever was happening back in 98, that's what we were doing. And that's kind of probably when I picked up the camera, but that's not where, for me, that's not where, I mean, I was uh, always trying to find art somewhere and I just never could find it. That was my problem. I, tr- I tried to draw, I tried to paint, I tried every little thing uh, and all during that time I was a sales, you know, that probably most of my adult life from the time, probably from the time um, I was 25 until about 45, honestly, I was in sales. Yeah, I was a sales guy. What, what uh, industry were you in? Um, it was, uh, let me see, I guess industrial products loading dock equipment you know those big fans you ever seen those big 24 foot ceiling fans those yeah, yeah. big ass fans actually they're called big ass fans we used to sell those that was the most sexy product i think I ever sold but uh so yeah man that's 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 kind of uh 
that's what I was, that's what I was doing for most of my, my adult years up till about my, maybe five years ago. So how did you go from being in sales to thinking that I'm going to run a photography studio? I mean, I, it came to me realization when I did the, when I moved from the corporate side to running my own photography studio, what, what led you to that uh, journey? So when we, uh, let me see. So I picked up that camera, the series the, I think when I, when I got serious was probably with my second born Joseph. So that was 2000, maybe 2005 was Bella, my daughter, some point around there. Um, when Bella was about four years old, so this is probably about 10 years ago, maybe 11 years ago, I actually got a camera. I, I went online, I went to uh, Craigslist and found a guy that was selling a Canon Rebel. And he said, hey, can you meet me in the Bed Bath & Beyond parking lot? I'm selling everything I have right now. This is a sad story. His, his lover was in jail. In, in jail, he was getting out in a couple of months, and this guy was selling everything he had, including this... <laughs> including this camera. And he said, if you want to see the quality of the camera, just go look at all the stuff I'm selling because I took it with that camera. It was just sad. I kind of went through all of his stuff. And I mean, he was selling his couch. He was selling his clothes. It was horrible. So uh, I got that camera. And of course, there's a, lot of, there's a lot more on that camera than there is a point and shoot or a, uh, like a disposable. And I didn't know how to work any of it. I didn't even know how to put it in auto. And uh, so one day I... I was laying back in bed and I took a photo of the, of my ceiling fan spinning. I thought that would be a neat picture. And it was completely black. The photo was black. And I didn't understand why it was black. Like, why is it black? It worked. I heard the shutter. And anyway, that led me to take a little class on, on photography. And uh, that was probably in probably 20, probably 2010, 2011. I just got online. I forgot who that company was. Um, it was like a husband and wife. And I think it was like an eight hour course on DSLRs and that kind of got the ball rolling. From the time that I've gotten to know you, you mentioned the guys like that I followed uh, way back when Zach Arias and David Hobby learning it's sort of like off camera flash. Zach coming into your sort of photography inspiration later on in life or right around the same time that you picked up that very mm -hmm. first camera? Yeah, no, he was, no, that was way back. That was, that was, so even back then, before that, I remember trying to find a way, trying to find a way to make art in my life at the same time, like where I didn't have to be a salesman anymore. Because I really was not, I was not ever really the greatest salesman. I was okay, but not, nothing really to write home about. I did make salesman of the year. I will say that. One year I made salesman of the year before I got fired. <laughs> I guess we'll probably get into that later. But like a year before I got fired, I was a salesman of the year. That was, that was awesome. But no, I think, uh, no, that came way later. That, that was, that came way, way later. I think I was taking pictures of butter. I was taking pictures of cooking. I was taking pictures of anything I could take because uh, I discovered what Boca was. I had that like nifty 50, Yeah. you know, that little 50 millimeter, oh, one sure. point, whatever, 1.4 or two or whatever. And I just remember I, I was taking just, a, just, I had that camera with me a lot and I, I kind of look back at those photos and you know, still life of, uh, still of license plates and a firewood and, you know, the, the grill. And I beat my friends down. Like I had my camera with me a lot. I'd take it to parties and I would take it. Yeah. And that until my daughter. And so at that point, I'm starting, this is probably a year or two later. And I've really am getting interested in it. And I'm kind of one of the guys that I, I'm very, um, like I'm all or nothing. And I get into phases and I get out of them like really quickly. And which has been very difficult in my life because I've never been able to really stick with anything. 
So I would try, I would start to draw or I would start to paint or I would start to do something creative. And then I would get to a point where I couldn't move past the, I could see what I wanted, but I could, I could not find the path to get there, you know? And that was big in drawing. I wanted to crosshatch like Arkham. I don't know if you guys ever heard of Arkham before. You ever heard of him? No, no. Anyway, he's an underground comic uh, artist. He's fantastic. There's a documentary on him that's just wonderful. And, uh, but he crosshatches a lot. And I remember trying to crosshatch like him and I couldn't. And I tried and tried and tried, but I didn't have a natural aptitude for it. But I didn't know that until, you know, after about a year of trying, I, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't get to where I wanted to go. And so I, I, I abandoned it. And about that time, I guess I was still, I was messing around with the camera. And, um, and I don't know why that stuck. I have no idea, even to this day, I've stuck with my wife. That's, we just celebrated our 25th anniversary. Congratulations. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. And the camera. I have no idea how I've stuck with a camera this long. I have no idea, man. It's ten year. It's a ten year marriage with a camera. It's the same camera that you bought from that. Uh, in it's the same camera. That's the one I perfect. No, I'm kidding. No, it's not the same camera. In fact, what was so cool about that is that so at some point when the X100 came out for the Fuji X100 came out, I I saw that camera, and I wanted that camera because it was very quiet. And at that time, I had started to discover street photography. Gary Winogrand, Joel Marawitz. Uh, Eugene Richards sees more documentary, really, but um, just this beautiful fly on the wall aesthetic. And it was hard to do that with this in Canon because it had a mirror in there and it was noisy. And uh, so we were at the Grand Canyon one year and I had to do something. I forgot what it was, but I handed the camera to my son and said, hey, can you hold this for a second? This is the Canon. He's like, yeah. And then we went, we did something. I forgot what it was. We hiked or whatever. And uh, two days later, I'm like, hey, where's that camera? And he's like, I don't know. He's like five or six. And uh, he's like, I don't know. I gave it to Joseph, his older, his younger brother. And Joseph, well, I gave it to Bella, you know, his two-year-old sister, three-year-old sister at the time. So that was the end of that camera. And I was thanking God about that too, because, okay, and I, you know, my wife at this point, she knows I'm a little bit invested in photography and that I'm going to have to get another camera. And that's when I got the X100. And uh, I think it was the, the second one, whatever, X100S, I guess. Uh, I'm not much into the technical side of anything, but, but that, was, that was the camera that really, that, was, that, that whole time was the bedrock of what I'm doing now. And because uh, I had that little camera on my body for five years, probably a rendition of that camera constantly at my job in when I was on a date night with my wife, when I went to friends for dinner, I never took that. I, I had it on me all the time. I remember being at a dinner party and there was a, a photographer. She was an ex photographer of the Dallas morning news and she had fallen out of photography. It wasn't important to her anymore. And I just thought, Oh my God, how can you have ever picked up this magical thing and ever put it down i just now i can understand it a little bit more but at the time i couldn't i just could not understand how anyone could have been bitten by this thing and, and put it down because i couldn't and uh and so i unbeknownst to myself i'm doing sales this whole time i have no idea i'm gonna do like this stuff that you see here i mean you can't i guess you can't see a lot of it this little thing that we've created uh with the studio and this business never could have never even Never, never. I mean, not, not a thousand years would have thought that's where I would have ended up. Because that's the kind of photography I'm doing now was not anything that I wanted to do back then. I wanted to be on the street. I wanted to do photojournalism, things like that. But I was 40 years old, man. I mean, I was 40 and trying to, I, I knew that I wasn't even going to the newspapers or magazines at that time. I was just didn't really know what to do. And so I just kept shooting. I just go outside and shoot. I would 
uh, photograph my family. I would photograph what was happening on the streets. There's a lot of protests I photographed um, in Dallas. And so I just, just became part of my life. And I really didn't have much of an aspiration further than that. Obviously, we speak to a lot of photographers uh, through Photographers Stories podcast. And a lot of them, Richard, are like yourself, who are born with a gift and the gift of creativity, uh, a gift I was never born with, I have to admit, although uh, I've had a very... I've had a very long and an amazing and successful photography career. I never saw myself as being creative in any way, shape or form. But Richard, one of the things that really moved me about you when I first saw your work and I saw the great, amazing body of work that you've done for photographing church events, Tell us about that. How did you get into photographing those church events? So part of being a street photographer is is learning how to uh, take photos of those moments, right? So like those candid moments. So that Cartier-Bresson decisive moment thing, which I don't even know if that's really a thing. It kind of is, but it's not. It's it was it's very it's a lot more elusive than I, I used to think it was. But I spent a lot of time. I was a big churchman back then. I haven't been to church in like a year. And I wouldn't consider myself an uber church person anymore. I used to be. And I was an Anglican. And so there was a lot of pomp and circumstance and Anglicanism. It's just beautiful. And uh, the photography was fantastic there. And I had a, a rector or a priest of this church that I don't know if he didn't, I don't know if he ever thought about it. But for whatever reason, he let me photograph things in the church, like during the service, like I'd pull my camera out in the middle of a service and photograph. And, and I kind of became something that I was, that I became, that people became aware of. And I'd post that on Facebook, I'd post on Instagram. And I think what it was, was that that was just what was close to me. And that's what was beautiful. And I was doing the same with my family at the time. Uh, work, I really couldn't do that at work. But I think at, at that moment, it was just, okay, what is beautiful? What is interesting? What's in front of me right now? And that was that was one of the things is church. And so I took it in and I started to make these photographs. And uh, it's funny, I actually have been hired by I don't know, a number of churches to come on a Sunday morning and photograph their services, going to their Sunday school classes and photograph that. I mean, I'm at the altar rail while people are, you know, they're taking communion and I've got a 24 millimeter just like, <laughs> like, I don't know, 12 inches from them like photographing that, um, that's been really awesome. So I think that that's like my, I don't know. I mean, that's probably the most exotic stuff that I've done. That's the, the because, and I had access too. That was another big part of it. I had access. And I think that's a really important thing in that kind of photography. In any kind of photography is access. You need access. If you don't have it, then the photos are gonna suffer. And it just depends. I mean, I shouldn't say that all the time because there's a lot of great things that you can't get access to. In, those photos are wonderful in another way. But when you're able to get access, it opens up another door of intimacy that you don't find uh, if you don't have it. And that pertains to photography I'm doing now as well. But back then for the street stuff and for the church stuff, and like I had, I had some access there that I was able to get close. And that was the other thing that I really wanted to do is get close. There's a photographer out there. This is named Mark. Mark. Uh, I'm going to go find his book right now. Well, um, uh, we can look. Okay, it well, up. I can't. I can't. I can't find it I, anyway. <laughs> but he was very close with the Flash, and I remember seeing him and thinking that 
being close to someone, being able to be very tight with them and very close would enhance the proximity, would enhance the impact and the emotion of the photo. And I, and I think I was right in that. Um, so I think with the church stuff, that's kind of, it just gave me an opportunity to get close and not for people not to feel weird about it. Yeah. And I, I'm guessing, Richard, that you don't seem like Mark the Cohen. sort of, yeah, yeah. Mark Cohen. Mark Cohen. I'm, Okay, and I'm I'm guessing, uh, Richard, that you um, you wouldn't be the sort of photographer that would want to photograph weddings, right? I guess you never photographed a wedding. Oh, I just photographed a wedding a couple of months ago, or about a month ago. So weddings, yeah. I mean, I think I was. I mean, I did. I never meant to do any of this stuff. I mean, professionally, that was never even a thing. I wasn't going to be a professional photographer. That was. I was gonna. If I was going to be a professional, I had shows. I had I had, a, I had like two or three shows local. Not a big, not major or anything like that. Are you like talking that, about exhibitions? Yeah. Mainly I had one for the church stuff, but I had a couple for street, for some street work. And I think one for street photography, whatever that, I know that's a big genre. One of them was just mainly for the church. And another one was just part of the website called the Peculiar Portfolio. That's a gallery on the site that has just a lot of weird, odd, stuff that I just captured over the years and I had an exhibition about that on that yeah sorry you had a question about that Bernie yeah you never you did say you photographed one wedding no I photographed more than one because it when I so we we, we ended up having a yeah yeah just to answer your question yeah I photographed weddings like I don't know six or seven eight maybe I don't even think it's been 10 weddings but yeah I've photographed weddings certainly I, I'd just be fascinated to see the results because I know how creative you are and I guess at those weddings did you use a 24 millimeter lens sometimes <laughs> yeah so you were riding on the action there I mean when I could yeah when I could but weddings are very I'm not a wedding I'm not a wedding photographer so I'm not when I do shoot a wedding it's more in the documentary vein so certainly when I'm able to get close, which would be, you know, usually before and after I do it. But yeah, definitely use the 24, certainly. Yeah. Yeah. So you're one of those annoying photographers, are you? Photographing yeah. a wedding, getting in the way <laughs> of all the guests? Like, I'm like, well, this is only going to happen one time. It's only going to happen one time. So let me be, let me be annoying just for a second and I'll go away. But yeah, I think, uh, yeah, that's, that's always kind of what I've, I've thought. I'll, I'll just be here for a second. It'll be worth it. I promise the photos will be worth it. Did you, did you have anyone, uh, whether it's an efficient or uh, coming in and just basically uh, telling you to get the heck out of there? So all of my weddings mainly have been in Episcopal churches. So they are uh, very strict on where you can be. And a lot of the times you can't even be inside that. You can't even be in that room. You have to be in the balcony or, you know, or, you know, right outside the nave or maybe at the last pillar, you know, you can walk into the church, but you can't, uh, you can't get very close. So no, that's when Zooms would be used. I have to rent them. I don't, I don't own a Zoom. I still don't own a Zoom. I don't have a Zoom of any kind. No offense. To, yeah, I do. Actually, I got a 10 to 24. I'm looking at it right now. I do have a 10 to 24. You love shooting wide, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I can, I, I shot, yeah, I, uh, I had a, but it doesn't always work. I mean, I had a client the other night that it didn't work. I know a, a month ago that it, you know, that I wanted to go into certain, particular tangent and it didn't work at all for them. I liked it. So I know that there's something that they want and I'll make sure I get all that first. But I had a, I had a brother and sister in here last night that we photographed and I got pretty wide with them on a certain, a couple of shots that were, I thought were, and they were purchased. So I was thankful, but yeah, you can get kind of weird with that. Definitely. But the wedding thing, no, I mean, I never, I think what happens is a lot of us, when we get into photography, we start having to make a living at it. We do whatever we have to do. 
like we shoot weddings, we shoot product, we do headshots, we do Absolutely, portraits, yeah. we do families, we do whatever. I mean, and that's kind of why I did weddings was because that was just one of the things that if I had to, I had to make it. And that was, that was what happened that month. That's what, that's how we paid the bills that month. So now that you're shooting portraiture and you've got your own new studio, you had the, the previous studio that was uh, back in the day. Was that with your affiliation with, uh, with the church, the work that you were doing with them? How did, how did that uh, church uh, studio come about? Your very first studio? Yeah, I guess it kind of was. I think um, you know, I've been renting studios by the hour for, for a while. I was in my house for a while. I think we all start out, not all of us, but a lot of people. And I came late to photography. I mean, I was 40... I think when I was full-time, full-time, like I'm just making money with photography was in 2017 when I was making money before that, but not, not, I didn't have to, I, I had a job job before that. And so, uh, of course I started shooting out of my house and then I would rent space. And then I found a co-op that I kind of became a part of. And I was like one of five photographers in this one, in this space that's not very far from this space here, but it's a lot about half the size, but I would have to tear my stuff down every day. And, and I'm, I'm, my lighting situation is cumbersome and that was just such a pain, but I, it, was, it was okay. Cause it was like, I had a space there. And, um, but that was in the beginning of this year or when that ended probably in March, I think like when the shutdown happened. Dallas, the shutdown happened in March. So we were at that point uh, the, with the guy that had held the lease on it, did not renew the lease. And I was afraid at that point to, I, I wasn't making enough money, to be honest with you, to, you know, spend another $3,000 a month or however much it was going to be for a studio. I wasn't making, I wasn't, I wasn't billing photography like that. I was still, I was coming up at that point. I'd met Bernie already and we were making, we were doing well. Um, but your own studio space, that was something I couldn't imagine. That was the problem. I'd have no imagination for it. Uh, so I, I put the call out when the shutdown ended and I just said, hey, I need the space for a little while, just a few months. And I do have people in the Episcopal Church in Dallas that know me. And uh, that's how I got that space. Someone said, hey, my church, I don't even go to that church, but said, hey, I've, I've got, uh, we have this new space. They're just wonderful people best people. And uh, her name was Catherine. And Catherine asked if I wanted to come in this new space that they just made for the youth, but no one could get in until January because of COVID. And I did. And we traded services for a while. And then, uh, then I started making some uh, payments to them, but it's kind of a symbiotic relationship for, for a bit. So that's where I was for a while. Yeah. For probably about six months. You came into photography late as a professional photographer, earning your living from your photography. And the stepping stone, or the major stepping stone, I think, was that church premises. Even though the circumstances were difficult, as you say, you had to put up your lights, your background, and do the photographic sessions, and then pack up again and, and do it all again. You achieved a lot of success in that, and you were financially well rewarded. As a latecomer, sort of in the industry why sort of do you feel that you didn't do it sooner why do you think it was so late in your life or didn't you realize that you had this passion and this great creativity streak in you that you had to release uh, a lot more often than just doing street and, and church photography yeah um you know I, I do i remember being on the front porch back in my three houses ago so God, that was 15 years, 16 years ago, probably sitting on the porch, asking my wife the same thing. Like, what can I do? I've got to get out of this. This is killing me. 
I mean, every day I'm, I'm doing this job and I'm trying this is to the do sales, the sales. Yeah. Job, I'm right? trying to do the best I can. I'm, I, we're making good money. We're making sales and money, six figure money. It was nothing to, I mean, we were mortgage and you know, it was, it was good. It paid well. And, but I'm not a saver. So I could never save up enough money to launch anything. And I never had a vision to launch anything. That was the problem too. I didn't, I didn't, uh, I had no vision for it. I had no, I knew I, I knew it was creative, but like I mentioned earlier, I'm, I'm all over the place drawing and um, I'm just doing all sorts of different things. And it wasn't until the camera happened and it happened very organically. And then we had a lot of family struggles um, about, was this, this is like three years ago, four, five years ago, we started having a lot of family struggles and people that were really close to me were like, just going to hell. And uh, so I went to hell with them. And so they were, and when I say they went to hell and I went to hell, I just mean that I just had some very close people that just experienced a lot of deep depression and things like that. And it was a mess for, it was a mess for a while. And it was very difficult. And I'm prone to depression myself and anxiety some, but mainly depression. And so I got very depressed as well and then couldn't carry on for a, for a time. Then I righted the ship, almost got fired then. I ride at the ship just in time. And I think honestly, the year right before that, that's when I was the salesman of the year, which was so funny. And then, but I, then I couldn't hold it together though. About a year later, I, I just, I fell off of it again. I couldn't hold it together anymore. And, and they let me go. They fired me and they should have. Um, I probably should have been fired the year before. But if it wasn't for, so then when that happened, my wife, I'm like, I'm just gonna go to another job. I mean, I'm making six figures here. We're making money, money. This is like real money. This is not something I can just like go replicate like with, with, I can't like do, excuse me. I can't do my art and replicate that. And not with photography. And she said, well, we're going to try something. We're going to do it. I'm going to get a job. And that's what we're going to try. We're going to do that. That's exactly what we're going to do. <laughs> so I think, I think that just one thing led to another and that there was always um, another thing that was in front of me to do. Like there was just, at the right time, I just kept working. I just kept doing the work. I just kept, and sure, I had my days. I mean, I had my days where I just couldn't get out of bed. I had my days where the work I gave was not good enough. Um, I had, I was rejected some. I, um, I almost got a really good job. Like every uh, two weeks, I would go. I was asked to come in and do headshots for one of the biggest law firms in the country, and that was going to be, I don't know, two or three thousand dollars a month, and. I'll, and it was just every other, every one day, every other week. And, and I failed at it and I got a lighting situation, a very elementary lighting problem wrong. Uh, this goes back to the Zach thing, um, part. And, uh, but I had to do that. I had to fail at that so that I could learn lighting better. So I could learn how to light people correctly. And so I think it was just one thing after another, but I just kept moving. I just kept grinding. And I had not done that before in my life. I was always looking for the, not the easy way out, but just always like, I was just never um, fully present. That was my thing. I was just never fully present in my old job. I wish I was, I wish I could have been. I just, I couldn't be. Um, I, I tried, I just wasn't cut out for it. But photography, I was fully present and I was able to give myself to it. Like, unlike anything else before. And I have no idea why that was. No, I've no, I still don't understand it. Um, like I said, there's only two things, my wife and the camera. That's it. That's the only thing I've been able to stick with. I can't even imagine doing anything else. Uh, I, I don't, couldn't, I can't at this point, I can't do anything else. <laughs> um, so, so I think Bertie, what it was, was it was just, 
the next right thing came with meeting you. That was one of the moments that we had to make a step and we made the step. That little studio at the church was a step. This studio here was a big step, but again, it was just, we're just, okay, what's the next right thing? You know, what's the next right thing? That's the next right thing. We're going to move into that right now, even though we can't see the, the next step sometimes. Yeah. I think that, uh, you know, where you are now and talking about the depression and that and anxiety and you've fought your way through that and, and well done on doing that. But this, the headspace you're in now, is it a great headspace? Because you're combining the two things that make up Richard Hill is the creative side, the, the amazing, you know, photographer, and then the other side, which is the trained salesperson. So are these coming together well in the studio situation and, and fulfilling uh, your headspace a lot more? Definitely. Yeah. Now, so the, I never, I didn't like to call myself a salesman and I didn't like the business side. I mean, you've had numerous conversations about this and I, I didn't see how, I didn't want to ma marry those together. Um, that's why I never wanted to do it full time because I didn't want those two things to get married. And I didn't want to have a business around my art because I, I thought I would be selling out. I thought I would be compromising in some way. But of course, that's not, that's not, that's not a healthy way to look at it. And that's not what I've done. And, but I think it's funny. I think there's, I still have character defects I've brought into this job that I had in my old job, definitely. But there's a lot more health. There's a lot more sanity in my mind. There's a lot more, uh, there's, there's things that I've, that I've left behind. There are things that, uh, and there's just ment mental things. There, there are things that I, that I used to think, that I used to do, that I used to feel that I don't have the capacity to feel those right now. And I don't know if it's because I'm so busy. I don't know if it's because I'm in the flow. I don't know what it is, but there's a lot of, a lot of the stuff that was driving the depression and anxiety is just kind of left. It's not perfect, but it's not the same thing as it used to be, not by a million miles. And I think that it's probably because it's probably because I'm more of a single person now than, you know, I used to have, it used to be many things to many to myself. I used to be like a splintered person, I felt like, and uh, now things are becoming more simple. Having moved from your other studio and having a successful new studio that you're running through, you, you've been, been working with Bernie for about six months, maybe a year. How long have you been working with uh, Bernie now? I think, honestly, I think, I think the first, I think we've had a discussion in January. And I think I probably made my first payment in January or February to Bernie. After working with Bernie, what would you say is the single biggest impact that Bernie's coaching has had on you? Gave you the confidence, not only just to start a small studio in, in, um, in your church, but also now to take on a huge commitment in, in a pandemic uh, that allowed you to sort of move into a new studio. What was it? What gave you the confidence to be able to take these huge steps that uh, you weren't willing to take those before? So it's kind of, it's probably what kind of comes to my mind is like, I'll have people in the studio and we'll be photographing and they're very reticent to be photographed. There's always a problem. I'm overweight. I'm look at my, you know, I've got these wrinkles I've got or whatever, who knows? It could, it's a thousand things. Then I'll show them the back of the camera and they're like, oh my God, I can't, that's beautiful. I'm, that's me. That's beautiful. And all I'm doing is just showing them who they really are. I think, you know, are part of who they are in a way that maybe they were able to accept. And that's kind of, that's what Bernie's done. So Bernie has for me and for a lot of other people, I think that it was in it, a little seed of that, of this whole thing 
was has been in me for a long time. But I couldn't believe that it was there. I could I couldn't I couldn't see it, and uh, I could only see what was wrong. I could only see I could. That's really what it was. I could only see what was wrong, and I could not see that my photography had progressed enough. I could not see that I I had the big like the business chops, the sale, even the salesman chops, even being a sales guy all my life, I still couldn't see I had the salesman's chops um, to pull it off. And Bernie, it takes a while and he's very persistent with it, but he would lift me up every time I talk to him. And sometimes you get knocked down when you talk to Bernie because you need to get, you need to get knocked down. <laughs> like I had to come to Jesus meeting with Bernie, probably, I don't know, maybe two months before I opened the studio. And, and I needed to hear everything that that conversation had in it. But I think that for eight or nine months, there was this constant building up. And I'm very thankful to you for that, Bernie. There was this constant, like, Richard, this is who you are. This is who you are. Don't stop. Stop looking in the mirror, at your mirror. Look at my the mirror, the mirror that I'm holding up to you. This is who you are. Not that mirror that you're holding up. That's, that's shit. This is who you really are. This is what I do with the camera. This is what I try to do with the camera for people. And no, it doesn't work all the time, uh, but it does work a lot of the times. And this is how it is with Bernie. It doesn't always, I wasn't always able to receive that, especially in the beginning, I couldn't receive it. I just remember butting heads with Bernie a lot in the beginning because I couldn't see myself any other way than I had ever seen myself. And I'm very thankful that he got through, that I was available, I was open. And so, yeah, I think that that's, yeah, if I had to say one thing, that's probably, that's probably what it was. That's great. Uh, we're coming up to about uh, our time for the, the podcast. We have a few questions uh, that Bernie does it in a fire style like uh, question. So you're going to ask a one answer question, basically. So I'm going to let Bernie uh, put you in the hot seat. Over to you, Bernie. Yeah, for, thanks. Uh, thanks for uh, all those comments, uh, Richard. That's fantastic. And uh, as Hulk says, we've run out of a little bit of time, but at this point, uh, we want to uh, lift the energy a little bit and uh, make it a little bit more fun. And if you can, possibly, and I think <laughs> it's going to be impossible for you to give me uh, one word answers to these uh, quick questions. There's only a few of them, um, but I'll try. And uh, if you can answer the questions with one word, you will get a special prize, Richard. I can't wait. Can you, if you can focus on this, what's your favorite country? Australia. What's your favorite food? <laughs> and also kangaroo meat. <laughs> <laughs> what's your favorite food? Tacos. If you had a choice to have one person for dinner for three hours, who would that be? Okay. Living or dead? Living or dead. Let me come back to that. Do you like chocolate? Yes. Do you drink wine? Yes. How many years do you think you've lost in your life that you'd like to get back? Well, I don't know if I've lost any, but I mean, I wish I, if I could go back and start over 15 years ago, I would. But I think everything is, everything happens for a reason, man. Everything happens for a reason. But yeah, I wish I had, I wish I did start all this about 15 or 20 years ago, certainly. You, you and me both, uh, Richard. You and me both, buddy. Yeah, yeah. You've just lost your prize, Richard, but that's fine. <laughs> um, he had a package of I kangaroo just, meat with just, your name on oh, it, man. Richard. He had a package of <laughs> kangaroo <right>. meat. <laughs> you know, there was some kangaroo fillets sent over there. Uh, just, just a couple of more questions because you, you're sort of being responsive. What, do you, what profession do you hope your kids grow up doing? 
no, I, I, I think I want them to just find them. I want them to find themselves as quickly as possible and not make the same mistakes I made. I'd like for them to, yeah, well, I don't even know whatever, what I want them to become whoever they're supposed to be as quickly as they possibly can and not worry as much as their dad did about what other people think. Okay. So you don't want them to be photographers? Probably not. <laughs> I, my Probably. kids never my kids never wanted to be photographers so. i don't yeah my kids are like yeah they never see another photo another camera in their face again they're gonna they're they're happy <laughs> okay all right richard thanks thanks very much we've we've run out of time uh fabulous insights into your your mind and uh wow everybody that's listening to this has to go and look at Richard's work and uh, you'll find it at Richard where can they find you and see your amazing photography uh, so uh, mo most of it's on the website it's a good place to start uh, the richardhill.com I'm not pretentious but richardhill.com was taken so I had to put a the in front of it so it's the richardhill.com um, I'm on Instagram at Richard Hill photo and Facebook Richard Hill photography okay thanks Richard I'll just pass over to Hawk to just finish off you really do have to take a look at his Instagram account and you're going to be amazed. Uh, Richard does some beautiful work again. Richard, thank you very much for uh, joining us, especially for Bernie here on Christmas Eve. Uh, we still have a uh, little bit to go for Christmas Eve, but we want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas and uh, thank you very much for uh, listening to this episode and we'll see you on the next one. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Bernie. Thanks, Merry Richard. Merry Christmas. Cheers.